0: Our scripture passage today is, um, is an Easter story. We just celebrated Easter on s- this past Sunday, and we're still in the midst of the Easter season, and so today is Confirmation Sunday. We are in the midst of the confirmation season today, so this is also a confirmation text, and you will hear that it resonates deeply with um, the work of being uh, in confirmation, but Uh, It's also an Easter text, and it happens on the evening of that same day um, that our Easter story unfolds, so listen for God's word. When it was evening that day, on the first day of the week, and the doors of the house were closed, where the disciples had met, and they were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after Jesus said this, Jesus showed showed them his hands and his side and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord Jesus said to them again peace be with you as my father has sent me so I send you when he had said this he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit but Thomas who was called the twin one of the 12 was not there he was not with them when Jesus came so the, others, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, unless I see the marks of the nails in Jesus' hands and I put my fingers in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. The story continues like this. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house and Thomas this time was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered Jesus, saying, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I know a little boy who was horribly bored on family vacation. Maybe you've you've been that little boy, maybe uh, you know that little boy, right? He wanted nothing to do with the short boat ride his family was on. He told his dad all of this was stupid. Why, why would we come to see this stupid ocean? Why do we have to come on this stupid boat? He was eight or nine years old and he was in the kind of eight or nine-year-old funk that a parent can basically do nothing about. But his dad tried. He said, okay, let's, let's go feed the seagulls then, boy process. No, that's stupid. But soon enough, the dad was throwing chips out off the side of the boat, and the gulls were coming after them. So he caught the boy's attention. And with the tenderness of a dad who is hoping beyond hope to get his son out of this funk, the dad places a chip in the boy's hand, And like lightning, a gull swoops down and takes the chip away, right out of the boy's hand. Now, I love this story just because, of course, the boy is feeling much better at this point. But I also love this story because after they had enjoyed feeding the seagulls together, the dad said to the son, now, you... You wouldn't want to tell anyone about this. You wouldn't want anyone to know that you actually had fun on this stupid boat ride, would you? You probably shouldn't tell anyone that the seagull took that chip right out of, right out of your hand. So the boy takes that under consideration and decides to hold on to his story. He's, they went back to sit with his brother and didn't say anything. He held in his story when his mom came and sat with them on the rest of the boat ride. He held it in as they got off the boat. He, with all of his might, he held that story in. But the dad could tell that every part of this boy's being wanted to, to share the story of this seagull that had taken the chip right out of his hand. And as they got to where they were going for lunch, the boy went to make his order, and instead of saying, I- I'd like a cheeseburger, without delay, immediately, He blurted out the whole story to the lady at the counter. You wouldn't believe it. A seagull came and took a chip right out of my hand. It was so cool. You should have been there. He couldn't hold this story in. So I I thought of this story as I was thinking of this text today. I can only imagine that on Easter evening, the disciples were kind of like that little boy. They had seen something so unexpected, so unimagined, so beyond what they thought was possible, that as soon as their friend Thomas came back from wherever he'd been, we don't know why he wasn't there, they had to tell him. They shared the whole thing. They couldn't hold their story in. Maybe they, maybe they were shocked that, they, that Thomas didn't share, share in their excitement, but maybe they were too excited to care how Thomas reacted. Something had happened to these disciples and it was the kind of story that they couldn't hold in. Maybe that's happened to you before. You've had a story that you had to tell. I know it happens to me every time I come back from a mission trip. So many things have happened. So many remarkable, world-changing, intense, amazing things with people who quickly become, in one short week, new friends. The story is hard to hold on to. You've got to tell it. But our stories that are hard to hold on to, don't have to be that remarkable, right? So otherworldly. Elizabeth Bailey suddenly found herself bedridden because of an infection that the doctor said was pretty rare. And so instead of being able to take long walks in the woods by her house, she was confined to one room, one bed, where her family and friends came to take care of her. And one day, a friend came by and brought her an African violet. And it turns out that in the, in the soil at the base of that African violet was a snail. And Elizabeth Bailey, not able to get out of bed or do much else, woke up the next morning to the sound of the snail eating one of the leaves of that African violet. And Before long, she had spent the whole day watching this snail, and then the whole week, and then many months watching this snail, wondering about this snail that most of us, her included, would never notice. It became for her a story that she couldn't couldn't hold on to. She had to tell it. So I only know about this story because she wrote a book, a, a whole book about this snail, which I came across a few years ago, and it's called The Sound of a Snail Eating. All right. Well, it's more interesting than it sounds, to tell you the truth. But some of the stories that we hold on to and that we need to tell are mundane stories, yes? But it was so deeply moving to her, she couldn't hold it in. So in that way, we, we can identify with these disciples. Their encounter was not mundane. This was a story that they couldn't help but tell. Their Easter evening with Jesus had... It becomes so commonplace to us, right? We've, we've heard this story before. It's been told and retold. We call it the Doubting Thomas story. It doesn't feel surprising or unimaginable anymore to us that Jesus would appear to the disciples, that he would send peace to them, give them instruction on what to do next. But to Thomas, who wasn't there, he was doubtful. He didn't respond with delight or joy or, or amazement. He didn't receive that peace that all the disciples had felt, he needed to see for himself. He needed to experience it on his own terms. So we can empathize, too, with Thomas, right? Thomas's reaction to this is fairly common, really. Every year, confirmance, as you write faith statements, many of you ask these same questions, right? One student asked it this way, how can you believe in something so powerful without physically seeing it? Right? It's as if those words came straight out of the mouth of Thomas 2,000 years ago, and yet that question, how can you believe without physically seeing, that's a 21st century question. It's our question, and it's probably emerged generation after generation ever since Thomas. Some days we live that story on one side, and sometimes we're on the other side of that story, right? Now, I'm gonna tell a story about our Boundary Waters Wilderness trip uh, this year. Um, my, my team, we traveled from uh, Wood Lake to Hula Lake to Indiana Lake towards Basswood Lake, and on our first journey, our first day, an eagle soared overhead. And it was such a gift, it was such a surprise, this majestic creature, so unexpected. And the next day, we set off, and we've got this big bend to go around, and we see another eagle fly. Maybe, maybe it's the same eagle, just on his, on his way, but it could be a different eagle. The next day, we see an eagle again. The next day, the same. Every day of our whole trip, an eagle flew overhead. I've never experienced anything like it. it there was something comforting about it, right? those eagle encounters every day. They were unexpected, but as as the week went on, we began to see them as a sign, a promise that God was traveling with us. And so if you if you know the women who are on my team, maybe you've heard about these eagles, right? These eagles showed up in their faith statements and maybe maybe you've heard about about our eagles that we saw. And that week we read Isaiah 40 which says those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And that gave us courage, right? That week. Now, for the Thomases out there, if you are a doubting Thomas, you might say, "Well, I'd have to I'd have to see it to believe it." And maybe maybe you'd go up to Minnesota to the boundary waters and wait and wait until an eagle passed you by to see if that really proved that God was there, right? But for those of us who were there in that small community of fellow travelers, we knew that it was true in this deeper way, a way that brought peace and comfort and guidance and strength. We couldn't wait to tell our story. Now, you might have noticed in the bulletin that the sermon title for today is crossed out, right? That's not a mistake, that's on purpose. Graduation from church, right? So if you Google the phrase, graduation from church, you'll find photographs of Confirmation Sunday celebrations. I was a little disappointed by this, but uh, stick with me, right? Okay, y- young men and women standing up to confirm their faith, that either their parents later, or maybe even, in some cases, their pastors post photos under the tag, graduation from church. And, okay, maybe that's confirmation has become that, right, in, in the last decade or two that confirmation has been a graduation from church and statistically you can see that um, if you look at data of participation with young people across the last two decades um, not just here but acro- across the country um, as if you've come to the end of something here today right and that it's completed that you're done and there, there are ways that that's true, right? You, you all, confirmands, have been asked to participate in a big way this year at Kenilworth Union Church, and today is a ritual, a sacred pa- rite of passage that allows you to honor and, um, and say thanks for the ways that you have participated this year. It's a holy completion of a particular kind of work, but I'm pretty convinced that it's not graduation from church. Now, so, sometimes I've, I've heard parents negotiating with sons and daughters, right? Complete confirmation I'll never bother you about church again. And maybe your parents said this to you when you were in high school, right? I, I don't know. I, I'll never bother you again about church. And so maybe, whether, whether it was 20 years ago or two years ago, you've heard this before, right? You can just go back to sleeping in on Sunday mornings. But And and the positive spin on, on graduation from church is that, or on that parent message, right, is that, well, okay, now today you're getting a chance to join the church as an adult member. You're officially a member, not under your parents, but your own person um, at Kenilworth Union Church. And so now that you're an adult member, it's your responsibility to come to church, just like it is for any of us. It's not your parents' responsibility to get you, get you out of bed on Sunday morning or get you to however it is, that you're going to participate in this, in this church, impact or any of the other things that we do here. But even under this best, most hopeful interpretation of the phrase, graduation from church, I'm not convinced that that's what we're doing here today. Now, I resonate with Thomas, and I think a lot of us do, right? The one who doubts. But we never find out why Thomas wasn't at church, wasn't with his disciples that, that evening in the first place. Had he he graduated from church? Did the death of Jesus mean all of this was finished and over? Or was he too busy? Was there not enough time? Was there too much traffic? Was he overprogrammed? Too much homework, too many exams, too many tutors, practice, rehearsal, all of that stuff? Maybe he was off partying with his friends. Maybe he was lingering just a little bit longer with someone he loved. Or maybe and this is possible, maybe he was off by himself in prayer and grief, baffled by all the things that had happened. We don't know know why Thomas wasn't there, but he missed it. And if confirmation is graduation from church and you stop coming here, there will be ways in which you always miss out, right? You'll miss out on mission trips and service projects. You'll miss out on worship services that stir us. Up a little bit, you'll miss out on your friends, right? You guys are sitting, you guys aren't sitting in alphabetical order today, right? You're sitting with people that you know, that that you've been friends with. Some of you since you were in preschool together, right? So you'll miss miss one another. You'll miss the the grandparents and your friends' grandparents too, right? Um, because those those people are important. All of Uh, the people who surround us in love. You'll miss the little kids. You will miss all the people who are completely different than you. Because that's what we do here, right? So often in our lives, we're divided into age groups, and you might only see people who are 14, 15, 16 all week long. But here, all ages, lots of different life experiences, and that's part of how God is at work in this place, that we are brought together in the midst of that. But th- so Thomas our friend Thomas he doesn't miss out the second time around he's there eight days later when Jesus comes and Jesus actually responds to his absurd request right Jesus says fine look touch the tender places where the nails were Jesus answers Thomas's impossible question honors Thomas's doubt hears Thomas and responds and i'm gonna I'm gonna sing you a song and I I don't know why I'm compelled to do this, but I'm going to sing you a song. Um, And you might know it, too, because it's it's a preschool song, right? Um, It goes like this. We love because God first loved us. Some of you know this. We love because God first loved us. We love. We love. We love because God first loved us. Hey good. You guys know this song. The, I mean, the rhythm's kind of tricky, right? Three-year-olds don't get tripped up by that rhythm. They can do it every week. Um, so here, he, I think this song is at the heart of this story. Thomas welcomed Jesus that day because Jesus welcomed him first. As one of the scholars on the Doubting Thomas noted, it is God's recognition of us God seeing us, that is the prerequisite, the requirement, the thing that has to happen first before we can recognize God, before we can see God. We meet God because God meets us. We find Christ because Christ finds us. In other words, we love because God first loved us. So participate here in the life of this church in all the things that God might be doing among us. Whether today is your day of confirmation, or not, we are all offered today another chance to affirm our faith and to join again in the small band of travelers who meet God together here in this place. So don't, don't miss out. For, God, for we love because God first loved us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen.